You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. We'll ride with you until midnight on 98.7 ESPN. Of course, we'll keep you updated on a very entertaining and nail-biting game in Santa Clara. Cowboys trailing the Niners 16-9. A little over 10 minutes left to go in the fourth quarter. I'll leave the idea of overtime possible. At 10 o'clock, we'll hear from Rich Samini. He'll give us an update on what's going on with the Jets. A little later, we will review the unbelievable weekend. Tough night for the Giants last night. Buffalo's going home, and this is a lost season for the Bills. We'll talk about that as well. But we begin where Pat O'Keefe and the postgame just left off. That's with the Knicks. A bad loss for this team. And when you look at it, so so here's here's what you can easily say. Okay, here's what you can easily say. This is a Nick team that did not have Mitchell Robinson and did not have Emmanuel quickly. This is a Nick team that has trouble finding consistent scoring. So when you don't have Emmanuel quickly, who has been better coming off the bench as being that first guard off the bench, uh, when you when you realize that he's been better and been giving you some scoring. Pr- Shooting percentage may not have been great. Uh, His efficiency may not have been great, but he's been logging minutes and he's been hitting his shots of late. So when you consider that you're missing those two people, especially Mitchell Robinson against a very big Toronto Raptors team, a Toronto Raptors team that loves to rebound, they're athletic, they're tall, and they run the floor well, and they are a defensive nightmare for you. When you've got smaller guys going going up against them, they alter your shot. They do a number of different things. And to be honest, they really should be better than 21 and 27. But unfortunately, they are, like a lot of teams in the NBA, very inconsistent. And they're really just starting to find themselves a little bit. And unfortunately for the Knicks, they have caught Van Fleet when he is now getting better and using the Knicks to get better. I mean, he's lit them up this season. He really has. And so you don't have a person that can consistently provide some defensive problems for him, even though Quentin Grimes tries. And you really don't have enough scoring. You just don't. Without having uh, IQ in the lineup tonight, you had to go with Miles McBride. Now, listen. We've talked a lot about Miles McBride, but unfortunately, he's only consistent scoring in Westchester. He is not a consistent scorer in the NBA. And so now you have to start to look and say, okay, if Quickly's going to be out and Fournier is not hitting his shot, three of nine, two of seven from three, and that's how desperate <laughs> Tom Thibodeau was tonight, that he had to bring in Evan Fournier to get some points and some, some try to get some scoring off the bench. I think you're going to have to look and see what's going on with Derrick Rose. I think Rose is right now, you have to look at cutting uh, McBride's minutes for Rose. Now, listen, I get that Rose is not the player he was defensively. But at this point right now, you need some scoring. Because without the scoring, uh, the defense is it's still important, but it's, it's not mattering. And what's happening is it's forcing you now to turn the ball over a lot. I mean, they had 16 turnovers in this game. 
which led to what, 26 points? I mean, and they missed eight free throws? I mean, this is not good. Obi Toppin had his best game uh, since he's been back. 14 points in 11 minutes. You saw some energy from him. You know, he hit, he hit a couple of threes, hit four. As a matter of fact, four or five from three. So at least he gave you some energy that you're used to seeing coming off the bench. But once again, because of lack of productivity, you're seeing a lot of minutes from your starters. Brunson, 38. Randall, 37. Barrett, 41. Barrett had 30 points to lead the Knicks. And so I, you know, and this is the beginning. Okay, this was the beginning of a schedule for this Knicks team that gets harder and harder and harder. This is part of a schedule where we'll find out a lot about this team, okay? And we've talked a lot about the fact that they are struggling talent-wise, and we know they are. I mean, you look at the team, you see you measure them against other teams, and you see they, they just don't have it. Are they good for what they're doing? Yes. Are they almost overachieving when you consider and you look at what they have? In, in a lot of ways, yes. Because of the lack of size, because of the lack of scoring. Yeah, they're, they're really kind of overachieving. So they cannot afford injuries. Now, look, obviously, Larry, a lot of teams can't afford injuries in the NBA. We get it. But when you are, limit, when you are limited with the talent that you have and you have a, <clears throat> a slim margin for error, then it's very clear that you, you know, when you miss players, that next man up has got to be really, really good. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking at it in hindsight. I'm thinking, you know, maybe for a couple of minutes, could Tibbs have matched what uh, Toronto was doing size-wise? Because they were just getting killed off the boards. And, and not only off the boards, but also for me, they were getting manhandled defensively. And, and, you know, every time you turn around, there was another tall player who's very physical. And that's really why when you look at what Toronto brings to the table, I mean, it makes you wonder why they, they, they're struggling the way they are. Okay, so Tuesday night in the game you hear right here on 98.7 ESPN, Cleveland visits the Knicks. Okay? Then on Thursday night, the Knicks are in Boston. Okay, and then the Knicks will be at Brooklyn on Saturday. That's just the next three. So you're seeing now how the schedule is getting tougher and tougher and tougher. And so this is where we really find out about this team. And hopefully they'll be able to win some of these games on the road because you can't even say, well, hey, listen, they're playing some of these games at the Garden, so maybe that'll be, you know, they play well at the Garden. Well, they don't. They actually play better on the road. And just this game was so frustrating. It's bad selection, bad turnovers, bad decisions. It was just bad. And they almost, and they tried to win it. I mean, Toronto actually tried to give it to them. But it came down to that fourth quarter. And the Nick Bench, which was at one time a strength for them, you know, with all the changes and everything, it's now a liability. And they just don't get enough production off this bench especially without IQ, Emmanuel, quickly tonight, you just don't get enough production off this bench where you can, you know, hold on. I mean, 
Toronto went with their bench players who built up, who keyed a 13-2 run and really put the Knicks on their heels. They didn't come out till maybe three minutes left to go in the fourth. And the Knicks had their starters back in for the most part, and they still couldn't cut into that lead. So it's a, it's a it was not a good night for the Knicks. And a couple of Knicks fans I know really wanted this game because of what Toronto was able to do to the Knicks at the Garden on Dr. King Day. So the fans had revenge on their minds. Plus, it's you know it's a it's a divisional conference game. You need to win these games if you want to try to get out of a play-in spot. 1-800-919-3776. We'll come back and take your phone calls next on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. And 98.7 ESPN New York. For full contest details, go to ESPNNewYork.com. Let's go to the phones. 1-800-919-3776. Jan is in the Big Apple. Jan, you're up first on the drive. Hi, how are you? All right, Jan, what's up? Frustrated uh, at this Nick loss. First of all, I can't understand why Coach Tibbs used Aaron Fournier instead of Derek Rose and Cam Reddish. That's point number one. Point number two is Obi Toppin was doing very well. Mm-hmm. And he decided really not to use him, you know, in the second half and down the stretch. So I don't understand this coach's mindset, you know, what's going on. You got, I can't figure it out, you know, and we're down quickly in Robinson. That's two strong players that we have. And your thoughts, and thank you for taking my call. All right, Jan, thanks for, thanks for calling. Um, first of all, for some reason, Derrick Rose is out of the rotation. Now, it could be that he's become a defensive liability, uh, I, I, some people seem to think he might be done. So I'm not real sure because clearly he is one of Tibbs guys. So if he's not playing, there's a reason why Derrick Rose is not playing and playing meaningful minutes. Okay. There is, there's a reason why quickly has surpassed him as the first guard off the bench. Okay. There is. And in a scenario where you don't have quickly tonight, it's a little surprising to me that you didn't see Derrick Rose a little bit. Now, I don't know, will that be the situation going forward? We'll see what happens next game. Uh, Jan, Cam Reddish is out of this rotation. You're not going to see Cam Reddish. I, I just, I really don't think you, if Evan Fournier got off the bench before Cam Reddish, and obviously that's because he might hit a three for you, and Cam Reddish doesn't do that, uh, Cam Reddish is not going to get playing time. Even in a scenario where you could use another wing player because of size to try to counteract the size of Toronto, no, you're still not going to. You, you, he didn't get off the bench. So if, he, if he's not getting off the bench in this scenario, he's not getting off the bench. Niners extend to a 19-12 game with a field goal. A little over three minutes left in the fourth. So that's where the, – the, Forget about Cam Reddish. He is going to be packaged somewhere in the trade deadline. In a couple of weeks, Cam Reddish will no longer be on this roster in a couple of weeks. Evan Fournier will not be on this roster in a couple of weeks if they can find somebody that will take him. Uh, once again, though, it, it's, yeah, it was some of the moves. Toppin, tough situation because Tibbs is still a guy who loves defense first. And Toppin really has not 
with the injury, he's not really gotten back to really challenging defensively the way you the way you know he can. He rebounded a little better. That's one of the knocks against him. He doesn't rebound. Uh, I don't know what position to play him at. Is he really like a three? He's not a five. We know that. He's not even a four. Uh, and so if you're putting him at the three, is he able to match up against some threes? Could be a defensive liability. So I'm not sure. This Nick team for tonight, though, what they did was they, they just turned the basketball over too much. They just dribbled and dribbled. Even Jalen Brunson was accused, uh, did some dribbling in the lane, which is unusual for him that he dribbles so much. Normally he gets rid of the basketball. But they were just trying to to force the ball in, and, you know, they they it was just a bad game for them. It really was. They, they didn't play smart. They turned the ball over. Fournier trying to save the ball, throws it to somebody else. I mean, bad passes all the way around, trying to make just, – just move the ball. If you move the ball, it'll be easier than trying to drive and dish and drive and bring the defense and make all these passes. When you have taller people in the paint, okay, it's hard, but arms and legs, you can't make the same passes that you can make against folks who have less size in the painted area. It's fundamental. Tonight, the Knicks did not play basketball smart. And that, along with the fact that they missed free throws and didn't shoot well, <laughs> that's why they lost. Spike's in St. Pete. What's up, Spike? Well, good evening. And let me lift the curtain up a little bit. I'm sure you won't mind for Jan, okay? Yes. Uh, Derek Rose is washed up. He can't move his feet on defense. And if my nephew Trey's listening, he knows exactly what I mean. Tonight was a microcosm of everything Larry and I talk about off the air sometimes. And before this game, lifting the curtain up, I gave you the uh, – the strategy I thought would work tonight. I don't know if mm-hmm. you got to it then. I did, Okay. Yes. So I said for the first time in my long life, and I'm old, <laughs> uh, the NBA, I saw back-to-back home 6 o'clock games in the different countries. That's all, you know, it's no Vancouver anymore, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, they went to the wire on maybe arguably the best team in basketball and had Ananobi out. I finally got his name right. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was the time to come out of the box and give it everything you got, sans IQ or not, and uh, run, run them into the ground so they'll be tired at the end. So maybe they'll miss their free throws. Don't get me started on that, Larry. Susan's here with me, and I just I can't even fathom what I'm talking to you about that I communicate with you. It's, it's, it's beyond all our basketball knowledge. I think we know the game pretty well. And, so. and the third man, the third man in the, the other Beaver went to City College and played. They just got back from California, and he's been following the games. And says, "What do you expect tonight?" Well, I told him what I told you: come out fast. They got to be spent from last night, you know. And Toronto's small, and uh, what they make their first five three-point shots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and they let Van Fleet, who's five ten, uh, who can't shoot against anybody else. Look. It's, it, this team is, they look cooked. They look cooked to me. Uh, I agree with you uh, on everything you said to Jan. It's as much as we know. Uh, they they can't close a game out. The last four minutes, which you and I, and this is for others listening, talk about is the precipitous drop in, in, in turnovers. Toronto has turned the ball over. Listen to this. In the last four games against the Knicks, I think it's 7 6 Seven and five. I don't know what they did tonight. Maybe five tonight, six, seven. That's it. Under ten times. 
and the Knicks have out-rebounded them. The percentage shooting, if you look at the Knicks, they win this game. They shot pretty good percentage-wise. They don't know how to play They don't know how to play smart basketball. They have a lot of duplicate players, and they're small. They can't win. Mm-mm. We love our Knicks, Larry. This, this is our team. Yep. They haven't done anything. And nope. I don't know why. Jan made the point. Look, Reddish is going to be moved. Fournier is going to be moved. Now, what are you going to get back? Are you going to get choices. another guy back that can't play defense and can't shoot? Don't get draft choices back. Watch. Oh, come on, Larry. You got <laughs> enough draft choices to go from 32nd to 34th Street. I know. You got to get guys who can make a shot. Listen, even even uh, but, uh, what's his name again? The, 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 the shooter now, 12. Um, Grimes, Quentin Grimes. Grimes, yeah. He started mm-hmm. off missing a couple of shots. He could take 100 shots as far as I'm concerned because he's a shot maker. I could see mm-hmm. it. But they're mm-hmm. pushing him on defense. Toronto's no world beater. No, they're not. They're no world beater. They don't defend the three. It's ridiculous. Nope. What am I missing? But please, I'm begging you. You're my friend. <laughs> what am I missing? You're missing a team, Spike, and thanks for the phone call, that doesn't play smart basketball. And they can't hit the three. They don't have they don't have consistent three point makers. They don't. And then the ball goes long and, and Toronto went out on the break and they beat them down court. It would you would have thought if I said to you, which is the team that played last night, and you mentioned it, Spike, you would have thought it was the Knicks. Toronto didn't look like they played last night. And the reason why they don't look like they played last night is because they're not limited to a nine-man rotation. Did you see how long he kept that? Now, obviously, the bench was playing well. So you just keep you keep it going until they show signs that the starters are giving it to them. The bench was on the floor so long in the fourth quarter, between the third and fourth quarters, that guys that were playing on the second unit was walking up the floor because they were tired. That's how long they were in the game. That's how hard they were fighting. That's what they were doing. That is all you need to know. That's what the Knicks just, they just couldn't shoot. They couldn't get key rebounds. And they turned the basketball over. You're right, Spike. Toronto had seven turnovers. Only seven. Knicks more than doubled that. Knicks had 16 turnovers. And that led to easy buckets because nobody got back. So it was two on one, three on one in some situations. 1-800-919-3776. The Drive continues on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. I will give give Jacksonville their props because they hung in there. They hung in. They've got a lot of fight. Trevor Lawrence showed me some stuff. Trevor Lawrence did. Okay, so they, they got a lot of fight in them. I give them credit. Buffalo, remember we said there was something missing with Buffalo, right? There was something missing. And uh, and that takes nothing away from Joe Burrow and that amazing, you know, chase and that amazing offense. And how about that offensive line? They, we were all talking about, well, they're missing three starters. Didn't look like they was missing three starters today. They they dominated Buffalo, dominated, and boy, they missed Von Miller to try to help them with the run. But see, you know, the Jets kind of showed you earlier in the season. I'm just using this as an example. The Jets showed you earlier in the season 
that Buffalo could be run on. And that's what Cincinnati did, really. They ran on them to set up the pass. And once they dropped that safety in, psh, beat them deep. Game, set, match. Of course, we'll talk about the, the tough situation for the Giants in Philly last night. And we'll preview what may be, uh, you know, looks like a Niners-Eagles NFC Championship next week at 630. But right now we're talking next at 1-800-919-3776. Jose is in Brooklyn. Jose, you're next on The Drive. How are you doing, Larry? How's everything going? Everything is good, Jose. What's up, my friend? Um, just watching the Nick game, and it was just kind of sad because I needed to take a break from football because, you know, I know you're going to talk Jets later, and, you know, mm-hmm. I'm hoping, I, you know, they, they can end my misery with this Zach Wilson nonsense that this thing going on. But I know, I know that I, I could tell that from that uh, it's, it's only going to be worse. <laughs> but to talk about the Knicks, what, what kind of gets me a little – like annoyed was I really thought that this was a team that was going to kind of beat up on the teams that they were supposed to be. And they've kind of shown in this stretch that they're kind of not there at that point. And with Mitch Robinson going down and with all the trades that are coming up, you know, with, you know, everything going on, what are the prospects of this, of the, of this next future? Because, I really think that, you know what, even if we make a play-in, it will be better for us to lose in that play-in and hopefully get a, a middle, mid-round pick to, you know, possibly get a steal in that, in that draft. Well, I hear your thinking, Jose, and thanks for the phone call, my friend. I hear your thinking, and I, and I follow your logic on paper. But once again, Jose, you've got so many draft picks right now. I mean, you've got a bunch of picks i mean utah danny ainge wanted 10 or 11 picks and to be honest you could have given him 10 or 11 picks and still had one or two left over you've got a bunch of picks so ultimately now a decision has to be made which is what can and and it's tough right because here's the thing people know what you need and people are going to try to take you, take advantage of you, and give you, make you pay a lot for a little. All right? that, that's what people have always done with the Knicks. So you have to be very careful with what happens here. So you do need to make them, you need to improve in several places. You need a 3 and D guy off a wing with good size. So and that's why you hear Antonobi's name, Antonobi's name mentioned, I keep saying Nobi. Antonavi's name mentioned from Toronto because he's a 6'9", 3 and D guy. So you keep hearing his name mentioned because he can hit the three, plays good defense, he's athletic, you can put him on the wing, you can help, he can help you out, give you some rebounding, give you some defense, he can defend multiple positions. You know, Kyle Kuzma's name has been mentioned here and there. Uh, not the defender uh, that Antonavi is, but, you know, is a decent scorer. Uh, so there, there's plenty of guys that you're hearing names of. So the question is, for trading somebody in your division, what is it going to cost you to make that trade happen? And it's probably going to cost you more than what you want. Now, you, and so that's the first thing. How do you get a player that's going to help you and understand that you have to give up more than you want to for this player. Okay, that's the thing. 
That that's the question. What's the player worth? Uh, I know that there have been a number, in talking to some folks, I know there's been a number of teams who are very interested in Emmanuel quickly. Do you want to move him? Okay? And if you decide to move him, what are you moving him for? And who's going to replace the minutes that he's giving you coming off the bench right now? Okay? You have to find somebody. Uh, Evan Fournier, Cam Reddish. I mean, you're not getting... You're not getting... I don't, in my estimation, what are you going to get for Cam Reddish? I mean, he hasn't played. Okay? What what are you going to get for him? You have to package him with somebody else with some draft choices or other players to try to get something decent. Now, you don't have to worry about who's going to take his minutes because he's not playing. Evan Fournier. I mean, he's got a contract. All right? he's Now, he could be maybe in a – because I – see – for me, he is a catch and shoot guy. He just and you have to. He's got. He's a catch and shoot guy, on a very good team, that he's not a starter. Where he comes off the bench, and all he does is catch and shoot. That's all you want him to do: catch and shoot. Here we set you up. You go to a spot. Boom. That's it. I don't want you to think. I don't want you to dribble. I want you to do anything. Catch and shoot. That's all I want you to do. That's the, that's the type of player he is. Okay. And so, who's going to give you? What are you going to get for a player like that? When people know that you're desperate to get rid of him because you haven't played him. And so, and what are you going to do with some of your young talent? I mean, are people interested in Obi Toppin? Is it time? Should you consider moving him? Because he's, I mean, is he ever going to be? I don't know what he's going to be. Okay, the only thing I know right now, he's an energy guy who is great on the break. He's shown some improvement at the, hitting the threes you saw tonight from corner to corner. Is he a defensive? Is he a guy that can def- defend? Maybe. Hasn't shown it. Is he a guy that you need to for him to rebound? Yeah. Hasn't shown it. Are you telling me that with more playing time, because it was the end of last year, we kind of saw what he's able to do? Yeah, in a sense. But you know what people say the end of the season, you take what people do, the players, and what they bring to the table, and you kind of put an asterisk to it because there's so many teams that are, you know, out of it. They're playing. They're not playing their best guys. Now, it doesn't negate what he did. He did what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to perform. When he's on the floor, he's supposed to do what he's supposed to do. Okay? He's supposed to perform. And that's what he did. So it earned him more playing time, but then after him getting hurt, you know, tonight was the best he's looked since he's come back. So now can you get that consistently from him? Is he going to be a guy that can continue to make smart decisions? I mean, when you talk to some folks around the league, they love him. Great guy, a great guy, great athleticism, great on the break. Some say that, you know, his basketball IQ is not as good as it should be. I don't know. So when you're looking to add to your team and you're looking at what what are you looking for? What is what can you get for the players you have? All right, that's the question. How do you make how do you improve this team right now? I mean, listen, there's <clears throat> there's a bunch of folks, excuse me, 
Who would tell you they're ready to move on from, listen, Julius Randle's playing well. Something like, well, this is the time to move him while he's playing well. Who's, okay, let's say you do. Who's going to replace the numbers that you're getting from him? Because without those numbers, you know, this is not, this team is not great. Is that something that you just make uh, a menial move now and try to do something in the offseason? And then if you really want to turn this roster over, if you're turning the roster over, are you keeping the head coach? And I'm not saying that he should be fired. I mean, the team is over 500. They've played. They've done what they're supposed to do. They, For the most part, they've beaten teams that they are better than, and they haven't embarrassed themselves against teams that they're not better than. So they've been competitive. And with the roster they have and people in and out of the lineup and the, you know, the short bench, they've been okay. For what they are, they've been okay. They are playing really the way they should be. They are a middle-of-the-road team. They're 25 and 23. In this case, Bill Parcells, you're right. You're right. Their record is who they say they are, and they are a a round 500 team. They're nothing spectacular. They're not bad. They're not great. They're a middle-of-the-road team in the Eastern Conference. They could finish anywhere from six down. So how do you make the team better? That's the question. We'll continue the conversation next on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. And uh, Rich Amini will join us at the top of the hour just to get an update on what's going on with uh, the New York Jets and their offensive coordinator search. Possibility of what he's hearing as far as, um, you know, the next quarterback, who's that going to be? And, of course... Uh, his thoughts on Buffalo, a team he's seen a lot <laughs> over the past couple of years, and their climb and, you know, them and Cincinnati and Kansas City and what he thinks about the uh, AFC Championship game next week. So, <clears throat> excuse me, we'll hear from Rich Amin at the top of the hour. Then we'll open it up to you. And we'll dive in a lot on the Giants. And that's where we begin as we turn our attention to this weekend. Now, The big question was never which of these teams had the better talent. It was clear that the Eagles had the better talent. The question was, with the bye week, because Buffalo sure looked like (laughs) they needed, they should have played last week. But the question is, with the bye week, Kansas City started out slow. They looked like they should have played last week too. So with the bye week, how would Philly perform? Right? How would Philly be? And they answered it early. They came out, and they marched down the field. And they consistently marched up and down the field. And now, it wasn't a close final. Okay, 38-7. 28 of the 38 by Philly scored in the first half. Giants were able to get a touchdown in the third quarter. And that was it. But I must say to you, and I kind of get it on paper, probably what they were thinking, the Giants, that you wanted to match it, that you, you wanted to stay attached 
to Philly, you didn't want to play chasing the eagle because that's not how your offense rolls. So I understand it. I get it. I get the thought process. But fourth and eight? You're going on fourth and eight? Not fourth and one. Not fourth and two. I mean, roll the dice and pin them back and see if you can switch field positions and get them in a and put them in a long field field game, try to get them out, get a short field to get your offense going. Listen, Brian Dable's probably going to be the coach of the year. He's he's had a phenomenal year. He's done a great job with this Giants team. And it's easy for me to say not as a Giants fan. But on the outside looking in as a Giant fan, obviously you're not happy with the outcome. I get it. But the fact that you were even eligible for the postseason this year, considering how most people thought, and you looked at the roster of talent, how you felt you were going to be, this is a this is a glorious season for you. It's a win season. It's a building block season. It's where you go up from here. Yes, and we know the pressure is, is on you because now you got to the playoffs, a first-round win, and got to the second round of the postseason, and you arguably will be better. The team will go out. They'll get some other players. They'll draft. They'll help you in the offense. They'll get some receivers. They'll do some different things, and you should be better next season. So the fact that you were even even made it to the postseason you got to be you got to feel good. The team is headed in the right direction with the coaching staff and everything else. That's how you got to feel right now. Having said that, having said all that, I would not with the way the Eagles jumped out with the momentum they had, I would not have gone for it on fourth and eight. I just wouldn't. I would have played the field position game, punt it, pin them back deep, let them have the long field, see if my defense could get them, stop them, and then I get the short field to get my run game, my option game going. And then I'm ready to go. That's not what happened. Eagles came right back down and scored. And now you're really, now you're, you're changing your game plan. Because you've got to try to attach yourself and stay close. And then you have Daniel Jones throwing an interception with the pressure from the Eagles. It was not Minnesota light. <laughs> okay. And you knew that coming in. You knew that coming in. So the big thing here, it's very simple. The Eagles were ready to go. Their offense was ready to go. They looked like they didn't miss a beat. They looked like they took the last couple of weeks off <laughs> just to see. And then they came out, and Jalen Hurts, once again, was very good. 16 of 24, 154 yards, two touchdowns, sacked once, ran for nine, uh, ran, carried the ball nine times for 34 yards and another score. They look good. And they were able to run the ball on the Giants. The passing wasn't that, wasn't terrible. It was the run that got, they didn't have to throw the ball that much. 44 carries for 268 yards. That's that's the story of the game. The Giants weren't able to stop the run and get off the field on third down. 
and their offense, as the points mounted, there was no way the Giants were going to be able to throw themselves back into this game. There was no way. That's not how they're built. And unfortunately for them, a lot of the guys who made big plays for them had some drops last night. Richie James had three drops. Uh, Darius Slayton had four drops. Daniel Bellinger had two drops. Saquon Barkley had a drop. I mean, and when you're playing in a game like this, you, you, you almost you almost have to play perfect basketball, perfect football. Almost said basketball. You have to play perfect football, and they just didn't do it. And so those are the reasons why they're home. Now, they've got a lot of questions, okay? Obviously, one of the questions, well, two of the questions I don't think are really questions. You know they're bringing Daniel Jones back. Okay, you know that. You know they're bringing Daniel Jones back, and you also know that they're bringing Saquon Barkley back. Now, my gut tells me that Daniel Jones will be a multi-year deal and Saquon Barkley will probably be franchised. But what about Leonard Williams? Next season, wow, this is crazy. He's slated to cost an eye-popping $32.3 million against the salary cap. Now this year, had some injuries, had two and a half sacks, um, what do you do? Well, obviously you got to go to him and see if he will restructure his deal. Now he, he says he wants to stay. Well, if he wants to stay, then he'll be willing to restructure his deal because that's where you have to find, you have to do as much cost cutting and restructuring to get as much talent in here as possible because you have to strike while the iron's hot. You're in a division that's looking up, okay? I'm sure the commanders are going to do something with their quarterback situation next season. They were pretty good. Dallas is, you know, there's going to be changes in Dallas, but they are still, when they're, when they have their heads on straight, they're a pretty good football team. Philly could be good for the next couple of years with a young Jalen Hurts. Now you got some age on the offensive line. You got some age on the defensive line. But for the most part, you know, they're going to be around. So your division is tight. So you have to find a way to, you know, because I don't know that you're going to, I don't know that everybody in three teams out of that division is going to make the postseason next year. I expect that the NFC South might be a little better. <laughs> so you're going to be fortunate. So that's going to be the question. What happens? How do you get better? We'll continue to look at the, playoffs for this weekend but when we return we'll turn our attention to the new york jets what's happening with the offensive coordinator's position rich samini knows he'll share it with you next on 98.7 espn